Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Cats Illustrated podcast. It's been a while. We've kind of outsourced some of that. We've got Travis doing the Cat Scan podcast. We've got him doing the basketball recruiting podcast with David Sisk and uh, Jack Pilgrim of KSR. But with the end of Kentucky's 2019 football regular season, we figured it would be good to fire up a series of these where we talk to some some knowledgeable, authoritative sources on Kentucky football. And I am very pleased to bring a special guest onto this episode, Van uh, Van Hiles. Uh, Kentucky football fans are going to know him as uh, as somebody who played for the Wildcats, who played for the Chicago Bears, and he. If you follow him on Twitter, you need to follow him on Twitter. Uh, he obviously still has a vested interest in the Wildcats. He uh, he's a huge supporter of the program. He shares a lot of excellent, unique takes after. After the games, Van, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Um, I don't know about that authoritative figure uh, <laughs> intro, but but I'll take it. No, yeah, no, absolutely. I love listening to your stuff. I I, I watch and listen to to a lot of the stuff that you put out there, and and I certainly enjoy engaging with you on social media. I we I honestly see a lot of crazy stuff from people on social media, <laughs> but but you are a, a, a sound voice of reason. Um, who, who definitely has a positive take on the cats, but I think is well well reasoned, well thought out. Um, Dan, what are you up to these days, man? How are how are you doing? I'm doing well. I, first, I was that positive take uh, uh, statement is really weird now. Yeah. <laughs> because because when Stoops first got here, uh, I was kind of critical. Not yeah. Of only Stoops, but of the program because I personally. Thought they should have hired someone else. I won't say the person's name because it would have been the worst hire ever. <laughs> but um, I was critical there those first years. I were I was underbidding. I would say we we're going to win five games, six games. Now all of a sudden, um, they're optimistic. <laughs> it's kind of weird how that dynamics change. But um, what I'm up to, I am actually a I don't know what to call myself. I call I'm I'm like a mercenary engineer. I'm yeah. A, I'm a product developer. Um, I have a really big Fortune 500 client that I travel to every week now. Uh, I've been doing it for about for forever. Um, you can, if you want to, you can go to my my engineering site. It's HilesDesign.com. Yep. H-I-L-E-S-Design.com, and that's what I'm doing. I'm always on the road. That's why I have this freedom to to post stuff all the time. Good. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love being out on the road. Well. Less so now than I used to, just just with kids and whatnot. But um, I, I mean, I fire up podcasts. I'll listen if if I got a long trip in front of me. I'll listen to four or five podcasts at a time, and hopefully this will this will be good for somebody who's traveling out there, or whether it's just the com- the morning commute to work or whatever. We want to try to do more of these. I definitely check out his website. Where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at at v style seventeen. That's V as a Victor Styles S T Y L E S seventeen. Um, and that's where I post all my content. You know, it's funny you say that about Mark Stoops. I think um, people have a love-hate relationship with coaches. And um, the, the way that you framed that, the guy you thought they should have hired, it almost makes me think you're going to blurt out Bobby Petrino's name or something like that. But Who? Bobby Petrino. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, we, we won't get into it if you don't want to. But um, No, no that, that's 
that was honestly I'm, I'm not gonna lie that was it yeah yeah uh, well you're not alone yeah i mean you're not alone i mean there's a lot of people out there who and and i'm not one of those people who just trashes petrino it went south at the end at louisville and this year makes him look really bad, but people forget. I mean, he won just about everywhere he was before that. And, I mean, if you can get past the fact that he's going to run scorched earth over your program and he's going to leave you in a pretty bad shape afterwards, he's going to win, you know? Well, well, here's the thing with, with Bobby, and this is why I thought he was the option, is Bobby has never had a great defense yeah. where he's played. That, that was not his – obviously, he's an offensive coach. But the thing that I thought personally that we needed for recruiting-wise was to create this excitement like how Mummy did, which yeah. I go into that maybe, is that we needed an offensive excitement to probably get some of these guys that we wouldn't normally get. Because I didn't, obviously the state talent pool is very shallow. So we needed to entice high-caliber players to come to Kentucky, in my opinion at that time, by creating a gimmicky offense dish. So... Uh, and obviously Stoops has proved me wrong with his ability to infiltrate Ohio and Michigan, which I didn't think would be possible. Yeah. When I played at Kentucky, we had Ohio players. We had plenty of them. We just didn't get the players that Stoops is getting. It's kind of I didn't I didn't foresee that when they hired him. I'm 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 with you, Van. Like I I I'm on record even before I became the publisher of our site, I was a I was a fan before I had to turn in my fan card back in the day. People, I don't know if people remember this, but I, I mean, I thought Kentucky had to hire either a Mike Leach or I thought Kentucky needed to hire a Paul Johnson and be that program that was just different because I didn't yeah. think it was possible to recruit Justin Rogers, Samuel Anele, Trayvon Ribka in the same class. I mean, four or five-star defensive linemen. They might end up with five, four or five-star defensive linemen in this class. I honestly didn't think that was possible at Kentucky, and I think a lot of it is the investments that they made in the program coinciding with Kentucky really rode the SEC wave. I mean, for a long time, Kentucky was a, was a have-not in the SEC, but, it, I mean, I remember back in the late 90s, the Big Ten was just as good as the SEC, I mean, and, and now, you, now you go into Ohio, and these guys only grew up watching SEC teams win national championships. Right. And, and then you get, you know, Vince Morrow and more recently Clink and those guys. It's just a, it's a perfect – it's been a perfect storm. And it looks like they have I – don't, I don't know if they forever change Kentucky football, but they have forever changed what we think is possible for Kentucky football, I think. I don't know if they changed it forever because this is the the root of, the, of, the, of that statement is that you have to have the in a coach. Right. The the low key underrated greatness of Mark Stoops is his vision to hire the right guys for his staff. Right. And I don't know if he's doing this on purpose, but I'm gonna say he does, and he's definitely doing it on purpose because he's the coach. Is that he hired? He's hired guys with a pipeline in different parts of the country. Right. He isn't hiring guys who have the same pipeline. Um, Yako Smith, who's got a, kind of a southern pipeline. He got Coach White is kind of in the southeast pipeline. And he got himself in, um, in Big Dog in the Midwest. He's covered the area of the country that is viable for us. And I never would have ever imagined. I, I've gone on the record many times saying our ceiling was eight games. The most we will win in our best year will be eight games. Right. He has changed that tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can next year, 
I really think that this year actually helps us more than us going nine and three mm-hmm. on seven and five. What happened to us is going to help us more next year because now that the guys' confidence was high off after 2018, now they have this this different kind of swag that we can get, we can get over anything. We just lost two quarterbacks and we still finished seven and five, which could have easily been nine and three, even with the adversity that we faced. I think that this year is going to boost these guys' confidence to a whole nother level. Yeah. In some in some respects, college football still doesn't have a lot of parity. I mean, it, I think there's like four or five head coaches in the whole sport that have national championships. I mean, if you're not at Clemson, if you're not at Ohio State, if you're not at Alabama, if you're not at LSU, it's very hard. Southern Cal, I mean, you can go down the list. It's very hard to win a national championship at the very highest level. But in other, way, in other ways, it seems like there has been a leveling of the playing field with maybe maybe conference realignment. I mean, you think like a school like TCU, I mean, they, they get big-time recruits now, and you don't even flinch. I mean, they used to be a mid-major. You know, a place like, oh, I don't know. I mean, it, heck, Clemson, not long ago, we wouldn't have thought possible that they could win at this level. Um, and I think Baylor. it's Baylor, right, yeah. So I think conference realignment – uh, I, th- I think maybe the proliferation of the spread offense has been kind of an equalizer for football, the way that the three-point shot has been in college basketball. It's just a number. The fact that the arms race has made more schools willing to pony up, and it's, not, it's nothing to see a coach like Mark Stoops making $4.5 million a year at Kentucky. You know? Um, so it's a whole, it's a whole range of things. And I'm with you. I didn't think it was possible for them to recruit at this level. And so, so I, I agree. I don't think he's, he's forever changed – Kentucky football is to say they still have to have staff continuity and the right coach, right. but right. but now you can dream that yes. Kentucky can pull in 10 four-star players in a recruiting class. And if you can do that, then you can win the SEC East if if other circumstances line up, you know? I, I, I honestly thought this year could be our year. I had us finishing 10-2. And I actually, deep down inside, thought we could finish with 11 games. Yeah. But next year can line up even better if, like you said, the pieces fall into place. If Fromm goes to the NFL, because Swift is gone. Uh, I don't trust Florida. Uh, and people say, this whole 10-win game is, is a mirage for me. They have eased into this uh, because of other teams not being as strong. Mullins is a great coach. He's doing something with the talent that he has on that team that is way beyond what people really think because they always think of Florida as the brand. But Florida talent level isn't what it used to be. Right. Uh, That's right. And, and he's he's doing some incredible things with that program because they really don't have a quarterback. I'm, I'm just be honest with you. Trask is good, but he's not Florida level quarterback that they have had. And they are hurting at the receiver position more than what they have used to have heard at. Mm-hmm. Um, if what's his name from, I can't think of his name, from Louisville with the transfer over there, their defense would have hurt a little bit this year. He, he, he allowed the other defense in a little freedom because they had two great defenses in instead of just one. Um, but the parity thing, I think there's actually more parity. There's always going to be your, your top echelon team, and that is in every sport. But the middle of the road has gotten really muddy. There are a lot of teams after that top tier 
that it's like that switches every year. If there's a rotation of that 10 to 25, that usually used to be a, a kind of a solid number of teams. Now it can be anybody. Uh, like Colorado has had a good year, I think a year or two ago. Yeah. And they were down for forever. Like there are teams who can pop up in that that 10 to 15. Northwestern was good five years ago. There's just some weirdness. Um, Illinois was good this year, which shocked me, even though I love Lovey Smith. But it shocked me that they won six, seven games this year. Uh, there's a lot of parity in between because of the TV dollars, these conference networks. Right. Not everybody can pump in tons of millions of dollars into their facilities and entice these 17-year-old kids to come to their program. And I, let, me, let me tell you what I'm thinking about, what I've been thinking about Kentucky football. And I think the Louisville game was kind of a turning point for me. There was no question Mark Stoops had improved the program. But when I think I picked Kentucky – eight and four, nine and three going into this season. And you kind of throw out all the preseason projections because of how the quarterback situation played out. Um, But there was a part of me that wanted to pump the brakes because I was, I was thinking they went 10 and three last year, but they had two of the the program's greatest players of all time in Josh Allen and Benny Snell. They had the most senior laden, the most veteran secondary with the most NFL players that you're ever going to see at Kentucky in a secondary. They had Jordan Jones, who was an all-time tackler at Kentucky. They had, I mean, a lot of, they had C.J. Conrad, Georgia Safoy, Jay, Bunchy Stalling. I mean, they had a lot of things fall into place. And they won a lot of those 50-50 games um, with those seniors. And so there was a part of me, I didn't think the bottom was going to fall out. I didn't think they were going to win five games. But I didn't know if they were going to go back to where they were in 2016 and 17, which was like that 7-6 and six kind of program. And they're 7-5 and five now, but here's why it feels different. Going into the season finale, I didn't know if the defense w- was, was, was real or not because there had been so much bad weather. There had been some backup quarterbacks. But against Louisville, I mean, even though the weather was bad, you could just look at those dudes and tell they're different. Like they are, it's it's not the 2016, 2017. Like this, this can be one of the top ten defenses in the country next year. Like this, this could be one of the top two, top two or three defense in the SEC. I mean, I've never seen anything close to the size, the physicality, the athleticism, especially on the front for Kentucky. I mean, what, what what do you think about when you see this defense flying around like they did against Louisville? I mean, that that was, I haven't seen that amount of talent on a Kentucky defense in a long time ever. Yeah, that's well. I would start with this: is that uh, the the talent is undeniable, and it, when 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 I switched was when I came on the field last year for the Peach Bowl ceremony. Yeah, and I saw the to look from to look at him from the stands is, is a totally different perspective than to go on the field with him. Yeah, and I was like, my mouth dropped because I haven't seen anything like that ever, and um, I was like, okay. And I said at the beginning of the year, I'm like, uh, Benny and Josh overshadowed the team. Mm-hmm. That team was good. That team was excellent for us without them. Because, like I say always, defensive ends cannot wreak havoc unless there's push up the middle. And I came into the season saying we have almost the exact same front three. We are going to be fine because now we have two guys who are 
threats for the, the sacks. And we got an unbelievable second year of these guys in the system pushing up the middle. It's going to be tough for quarterbacks to step up in the pocket. Um, with this Louisville thing, I said it from the beginning. I posted this thing about the defenses that they scored all their points on. They feasted on poor defenses. Their offensive line, fans of their left tackle, Beckham, which is, he's a freaking beast. He's a monster. He is. God, he is. I Watching him on film. Like, all all if pro. They, if they didn't have him Saturday, they would score no points. Yeah. Well, he, he pancaked at least five they, 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 they almost didn't. I mean, the first, the first drive. You know, it takes sometimes a little while for this Kentucky defense to get their feet, you know, settled in. And um, once they do, I mean, that was a floater on 4th and 11. It was kind of a fluky play. I don't even know if, if Atwell is who it was intended for. He got matched up on a linebacker. And, uh, and then they let their guard down before the half. But, they, I mean, they might as well have been 45 to nothing because when they needed to get a stop, they got a stop. It should have been 50-something nothing because we should have, on that fake field goal, uh, we should have scored seven on that. We missed a couple blocks. Yeah. And on the other one before the half, we should have scored three points. So we should have had seven more points. Yeah. Um, that the the turning point the turning point for me also was that the game last week against Tennessee Mark. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember throughout the history. We have always had problems in this this third I'm gonna say cake game. Mm-hmm. And not problems like we don't win, but problems where we just don't execute and we don't show that we are a true SEC team. Kind of last last year, Tennessee. last year Middle Tennessee, I think right. they completed something like ninety percent of their passes against them, and you know that was a close game. Yeah, in, in theory. Yeah, and it's like we have never performed. Even when I was playing, we used to play. We played Louisiana Monroe. I think we lost that game, maybe. Uh, it's like just that third one was always, but that game we showed that our front offensive line, defensive line is SEC, and that's the difference with all conference and everybody else. It's not the skill position. You can find a quarterback everywhere. You can find receivers everywhere because they're every team has, but you cannot find your Derrick Browns like at Auburn anywhere else. Ohio State is the only team that consistently get a defensive line like. SEC quality, and we are at that level. We're not quite as explosive as LSU, right. Alabama, and Auburn. This is line, but we are very stout, though. And that's the difference between Stoops' era now and all the past eras since I've been associated. Is we are very stout and athletic. Not as athletic as the top three or four, but we're getting there. Yeah, and you stand next to Marquand McCall. I mean, that is that dude is is a wide body wide butt guy i mean he is a he, he his base i mean he's the definition of base and somebody like him if he's not even starting for kentucky that's a scary proposition for the rest of the right. sec i mean that and, yeah and looney and hawkins i just i mean we have guys what's the mahomes kid or mahomes whatever Jaqu- Jaqu- I know, yeah yeah i didn't know i didn't know he was on the team he, he would be. He would be. He would have probably started ahead of Naquez Pringle and Matt Elam, and he's a third stringer. Not just this year; he's a third stringer next year, and yes, you know yes. he might be a third stringer the following year. You're bringing a guy like Justin Rogers, and I mean they, they have a very envious amount of talent in the trenches. And so going into next season, looking ahead a little bit, 
you're hard-pressed, aside from maybe Georgia, aside from maybe one or two other teams, in college football to find a better offensive-defensive line combination than Kentucky, on paper, if they can replace the penetration that somebody like Calvin Taylor um, brought. But then you're also, I I think Boogie Watson could have a very big season next year uh, off the edge because he seems like he's taking his game to another level. And before we pivot to to next season, we got to keep this somewhat short, uh, looking at the bowl game prospects for Kentucky – um, and hearing all kinds of things, the Belk possibly against an ACC team, the Gator possibly, the Music City. Do you have a preference or do you have any thoughts on, on how things uh, should or, or might play out for Kentucky? From a personal standpoint, no Music City. I do not yeah. want to go to a cold weather game. I yeah. just, it does not. Um, it, it hurts my feelings that we lost to Tennessee. Yeah. If we win that Tennessee game, we get a much – well, I guess Alabama losing hurts us a little bit. But we get a much better bowl game. Um, I want the Belk or the Gator Bowl. It doesn't matter to me, as long as it's warm weather. Um, I think it's the bowl game is not. I'm a, it's gonna hurt my feelings to say this. It's not for the fans. I'm sorry. It's for the players. It's a reward for their accomplishments. Right. And as a player, I want to go to a warm weather place where I can wear short sleeves and not have to have the warm hand pouch. Have to wear a, a, a hoodie. All that stuff. I want to go out in the evening when the coaches allow us to have some fun and I have to be layered up. Um, so I personally would like to see him play in the Belk or Gator. Uh, that's I just my preference. I kind of like, think the best case scenario, and I know some people don't want to say this or see this, it's maybe some, some hardcore basketball fans, they don't want to play Indiana in anything, but I feel like playing Indiana in the Gator Bowl is like the best of everything because that's a matchup that – Kentucky can could push them around a little bit, yes, and and yes. they've got the secondary and the pass defense to match up with them there. And the Gator Bowl to me is just more prestigious. Like I know, I know the way they they group bowls together now. They say there's no difference between the Gator and the Belk and the Music City, and it's not a it's not a pecking order. But I grew up the Gator Bowl wasn't an SEC game. I think it was like an ACC Big East game or something like that. But it was like the second best team in those conferences. I mean, the Gator Bowl yeah. was like right close to the cotton bowl, you know, as far as, as far as prestige. So I like that. Um, what, as we get to the end, presumably of Lim Bowden's career, I said in, in the Louisville game that I'm finally ready to put him in the same category as Randall Cobb. You know, it took me a long time to come around to that just cause he's only been there three years. He doesn't have the, the overall career numbers that Cobb had in terms of overall touchdowns, a thousand yard receiving season, but from the Missouri game last year, when he kind of took over with a punt return, through the Citrus Bowl with a punt return, through this year as a quarterback, I mean, I've got to put him in that category. Now, where, where would you put Lynn Bowden historically in terms of the modern era, in terms of what you recall compared to Kentucky's other greats? Yeah, you're right. Before this year, I wouldn't have put him up that high. But after what he did this year, man, he is, he is up there. He's up there to me now. I'm biased because he played with me. He's up there with Mo Williams. Yeah. People don't, people don't understand what Mo Williams did in 95. Yeah. He carried, He had at least four 200-yard games yeah. as a real running back running the eye bone. This yeah. is not a quarterback who can who has an extra blocker in front of him. We're talking about eye bone, tailback. With 200 plus yards, and those 200 yards that he had, we needed them. And they like, had, we they, had two, 
too hated, but we didn't need all of them. I can talk about your teammates like this, but I mean, you guys had some some linemen, but it wasn't it wasn't well, the offensive line wouldn't have been up for like the one of the no. top ten offensive lines in the country, the Joe Moore Award, like they are this year. No, so he's no, doing a lot no. of that himself. Exactly. Our best line was in '93 in my time there. We had some nasty dogs in '93, and they were all seniors, I think. Mm-hmm. But after that, no, we didn't. His 95 year, we had a good line, but it wasn't great. Right. Um, but in what he did that year, I, people have to watch the film on his. I don't know, they didn't have these stats back then, but his yards after contact was off the roof. I, I can guarantee you it was beyond incredible. Um, he's up there with him. Randall Cobb, to me, was a great player. Mm-hmm. He did things for us that kind of like Lynn did. When we needed him to go quarterback sometimes, he excelled for us. Uh, he also had a great quarterback that he played with for two or three years. Mm-hmm. They kind of had that dynamic. Think about it, Lynn has not had a quarterback for consecutive years right? as a receiver, and I think that hurts his numbers more than anything. Uh, and that was that his second, first and second year playing receiver, transitioning exactly. from high school. Exactly. He's top five for sure. Right. He's top five for sure. Um, I still have Mo as my number one um, in front of Benny and, and Josh because I just know what he meant to our team. If we didn't have Mo, <laughs> the four games we won would have been won. We just guaranteed. I, I think I think what Bowden, what Bowden has showed this year, we've known that he's got he's got the juke that he's he's. I I didn't realize that maybe I should have. I didn't realize he was as tough as he is. I mean the fact that the dude I can't tell you how many times this year it looks like he's going to get stopped before the sticks, and he just lowers that shoulder, digs down, and plows through somebody that's got like seventy five pounds on him. Like I I haven't. I didn't know he had that kind of dog in him. And, I mean, the fact that he just he, – he's relentless. I mean, I thought against Louisville they were getting too much into Bo, and they were getting too enamored with him, and it was just too much him. They had the smoke, the, the, the long, long run with him, and then they just got away from the running backs altogether. And I'm like, they got to stop doing the Bowden thing, and they didn't stop, and he just – he started hammering them. Um, yeah. He's a competitor. and and. He's he's much bigger than I thought he was. Yeah. When I came on the last year, I honestly thought he was under six feet mm-hmm. and maybe 175 pounds. Right. No, he's my height. I'm six feet. He might be a little bit taller. A little. He's at six feet, and he's got to be 200 pounds. He's thick, and I was shocked by that when I came on the field last year. I'm like, man, this guy is is pretty stout, and uh, that definitely helps him. And playing a quarterback position. And I'm just being a former quarterback who kind of ran a similar system in high school. It's so much easier being a quarterback running mm-hmm. than being a running back running. It's, yeah. it's a totally different dynamic that people really don't understand. It's totally different. How would you, how would you explain that to people? How, how, what, if you could, that might be tough to verbalize, but what, what, what are some of the differences in terms of being a quarterback and a running back running that might make it a little bit easier for somebody like him as opposed to a Mo Williams who did it from another spot? Right. So for a quarterback, you have an extra blocker. Yep. You just have an inherent extra blocker. And if a team stacks the box with eight people, 
he actually has an advantage because we have five linemen, we have a tight end, and a running back. So that's seven blockers against eight. But we're reading one of the guys. So that's the advantage. And the if he's patient like he was patient this week in a quarterback draw, he's got the extra blocker and he allows the hole to open up. And then he's have a bigger gap than a running back would in theory if the quarterback is just handing the ball off when they only have six blockers and they have eight defenders and you're not reading the back. Uh, it's so much easier. I, I ran running back and I was like, dude, I don't see how y'all do this. Because it's, it's the, the holes are tighter, they close up quicker, you have less blockers. That's the easiest way to verbalize it. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll wrap up with this and we can do, do some more episodes moving up if people enjoy it and I'm sure they will. Um, the, the big question going into next year, I mean, you're going to have to replace Calvin Taylor. You're going to have to replace Logan Stenberg. But the defense is going to be set. And, you know, presumably if Terry Wilson is healthy, I think the improvement that we saw from him early this year is very promising. You know he's putting his offseason to good use. You know he's going to be smarter and better in the playbook. I, I think the quarterback situation will be, you know, certainly improved from a passing perspective. Um, with him, you feel good about the running backs. The offensive line is going to be outstanding. But Bowden has just been such – I mean, he's hes pretty much been the offense for the last six or seven weeks. I mean, how, how do you feel about the offense looking ahead to next season, pr- probably replacing him? Um, what level do you think that we can expect from them? Um, it's going to be better. I think I said a few weeks ago. The greatest thing about this season is now Eddie Grant has a whole nother group of plays that he would not have if Bowden would have been a quarterback this year. Mm. He's got a, a back pocket of about 10 or 15 plays that he would have never created that now he can use with Terry. And Terry has, to me, I could be wrong, more straight line speed than Lynn. He's not as thick as Lynn, obviously, but I think he can hit the hole quicker. And he has longer speed than Lynn. Personally, that's what I see. I could be wrong. You saw it against uh, Florida in the swamp last year. About three times, he was about to be brought down behind the line of scrimmage, and he moved the sticks, and he outran a safety that had an angle on him to the end zone on that right. on the RPO play. I mean, yeah, he's he's a, he's a sprinter for sure. Exactly. So I think now, like that counter GT off the pitch, I think it's perfect for Terry uh, next year. I think also with Terry, it opens up A.J. Rose's skill set more than it, than it does with Lynn. Lynn is um, – uh, Rodriguez is better with Lynn because we're more of a downhill power, get three, four yards, and let's line up again. Mm-hmm. I think next year we won't be that kind of team. We'll be spreading teams out a little bit more, and I think we'll be able to use A.J. Rose more out the backfield than we, we could this year. Um I think our offense will be more explosive next year, personally. Cool. Um, that's what I see. And I think now, with Lynn being a backfield, we started using two of our backs as split backs. I think we're going to use that a little bit more next year. I, I think there's there's just there's so much more that Grant has at his disposal now that it's going to open up so much more next year. Hey, yeah, there are going to be some people that are going to say they, they have to play at Auburn, they have to play at Florida, but yes. by, by now we know Kentucky can match up with Florida. That's just that's one of yes. – I had somebody in the program tell me this week, before, before the Arkansas game, I was talking to somebody in the program and I said, are you guys a little bit worried about Arkansas? Because they had just played Texas A&M really good, and they said, you know what? 
that they had talked to Michael Smith, who had been at Arkansas, and they were like, no, we're not worried, because Arkansas is always going to play good against Texas A&M. That's just one or two yes. times a year they're going to get up. I don't care how good Kentucky's going to be. They Kentucky, by now, gets up for Florida and plays really yes. well against Florida. And that's just yes. one of the games they play well against. And, yes. um, you know, I, I think I'm looking at Auburn. Auburn loses quite a bit, and Florida loses quite a bit. I'm not convinced Kentucky won't be the favorite going on the road oh, no. in those games. No, no, that's not going to happen. No, no, I'm not saying a Vegas favorite. I'm not saying a Vegas favorite, man. I'm, I, let, 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 me, let me backtrack a little bit. I, I will, I'll, I'll put it like this. It will not... It should not surprise people if Kentucky wins either one of those road games. That we, should... we beat Florida. I, I, I'm going to throw it. I, it's no doubt. We beat Florida next year. Now, that Auburn game, people don't understand, and it's hard to understand. I played there once. The environment, the two best stadiums I played at, and Florida's not one, is South Carolina and Jordan-Hare. Mm-hmm. If you play Jordan-Hare at night, it's beyond electric. You, it's, it's hard to to describe how electric that stadium is, it's going to be very difficult. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a night game. Because we're going to be, we're probably going to, at most, have two losses. I'm thinking we might have one. That's going to be the ESPN 6.30 game, 7.30 game, whatever, Eastern, whatever. Yeah. That's going to be a big game. And that's going to be tough. Um, both Knicks will be in the sophomore year. I think that game is the one that I'm – that's the only game that I'm really scared of next year. Uh, or apprehensive. Scared is not the right word. Apprehensive to pick us to win. But that Florida game, I think we're going to the Swamp and beat them again. I actually believe Kentucky has won each of their last trips to the Swamp and to Jordan Air Stadium. Oh, really? I, be- I think huh? the last time Kentucky played there was when Randall Cobb – uh, led that fourth quarter comeback because I was I was actually in the upper deck there and it was a cold night. It was a cold night and it might have been raining a little bit. And Auburn fans were, I mean, they felt personally disrespected because it was the first time that Kentucky had won in the state of Alabama in something like I want to say seventy years or something like that. Oh wow! And okay. uh, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's a different atmosphere. It's going to be wild. Neither one of those, neither one of those games are going to be are going to be easy. Um, no, but, no, no. But Kentucky has the talent in the trenches to match up and equalize those games a little bit. But um, exactly, Van. Van, I'm going to keep it short. Let's let's keep yeah. doing this. If people like it, you guys need to follow Van on Twitter. Uh, he's going to pump out excellent stuff that all of you are going to uh, enjoy. I really appreciate you joining us, man. No problem. Anytime. And uh, this is again Justin Rowland, publisher of Cats Illustrated. Uh, give us your feedback at the House of Blue, the Football Forum on Twitter. And thank you for listening.